Welcome to the Leader Think Podcast, where we discuss personal growth and concepts for improving organizational culture. This is your host, Philip Grison. As you increase your wisdom, I hope you enlighten others on your path towards greatness. If you want to go further, head over to leaderthink.com. Hey, everybody. Today, I wanted to talk about accountability for culture change. One of the most common conversations that comes up in both leadership and human performance courses is that moment where a student raises his hands and says, I get all the influence on behavior, but where is the accountability? There is this common misconception that embracing human error, effective leadership traits, and understanding what motivates behavior means that you can't hold people accountable anymore. That couldn't be further from the truth. Accountability is necessary for any culture change effort to be successful. This misconception stems from a misunderstanding of how best to actually hold people accountable. There is the long ingrained history in the safety community where people are held accountable for the number of OSHA recordables that the company, the division, or the department experience. Typically, no recordables means you get a bonus or some sort of reward. If a recordable does occur, you don't get your reward. Some companies take this further and classify the recordables as preventable or non-preventable incidents. Unfortunately, it is rare for a company to truly classify the incident as a system-induced error, a mental lapse, or true culpable behavior. True culpable behavior should include some form of negative accountability. System-induced errors and mental lapses should not. True culpable behavior only fits about 10% of what would be considered a violation. So only about 10% of the time, a behavior or violation that we witness is actually something that deserves negative accountability. When we combine the low number of violations that meet the definition of truly culpable behavior with a long history of punishment for any type of violation, you can see why most organizations struggle implementing successful accountability programs for safety performance. There's a third issue that makes effective accountability a challenge. As we learned earlier from William Bruce Cameron, not everything that counts can be counted, and not everything that can be counted actually counts. When it comes to human beings, you can't have a one-size-fits-all approach. No violation or incident is ever exactly the same as the last time it occurred, especially in the dynamic construction arena. There are so many external forces that affect how workers behave. Counting things such as the number of recordables is easy. Putting a gauge on someone's leadership effectiveness, their power of influence, or the rate of their personal growth is more difficult, and it requires another human to make a decision, a determination about it. Today, we will explore concepts that will help you develop an accountability program that actually is effective, but to do that, you have to be willing to challenge currently held belief systems and expect resistance from others along the way. 
It isn't an easy task, but it is a worthwhile task. We know measuring recordables or failures just doesn't work. If ever there was a time to try something new, now is that time. So my focus here is on creating intentional cultures. My focus is on helping you create the social proof that you need to enhance your current safety culture. I'm focusing specifically on accountability for culture change. There are many different things an organization may choose to measure and hold people accountable for, but I just want to clarify that the accountability I'm discussing here is specific to intentionally improving your organizational culture. If you really want to change your culture, hold people accountable for personal growth. If you want to use some sort of measuring system to gauge their strengths and weaknesses, then measure their personal growth. Here's why. If you get people to embrace continual and intentional personal growth, then all the things you want to accomplish become a lot easier. Instead of trying to push or pull people in the direction you want them to go, you guide them in that direction. I've noticed how human performance can be a divisive topic with some managers. Some will be totally against it throughout any conversation you have about it. But if those managers not only embraced, but were actually held accountable for personal growth, they would have a completely different attitude about it. They would want to know more about it before judging it as unuseful. You can apply that model to any topic we have discussed here. If someone wants to grow, then they will want to be in a learner mode instead of a judger mode. But if growth is optional in their world, then so is learning. You see, growth can't be optional in an intentional culture. Yet how many organizational cultures do you see in the world where growth is optional? How many companies have you experienced that the supervisors and managers within them are not growing? I'm talking about people that are not learning, nor willing to learn, and the company still allows them to remain in their current position. They probably even get a raise or a bonus every now and then. They probably receive occasional rewards for not growing. This can't be allowed in an intentional culture. This is a strong form of resistance that will work against your culture change efforts. Growth is a requirement. It is not optional, and it can't be optional for the leaders in your workforce. If someone is in a supervisory or management position, if they are in a leadership role, then personal growth must be a company requirement. Their growth must not only be encouraged, it must be measured, evaluated, and they must be held accountable for it. When people are truly held accountable for their personal growth, arguing against new wisdom and understanding becomes socially unacceptable. We need to create the social proof that tells the people within our culture personal growth is a requirement. We need to create a culture where the people see growth as non-negotiable. 
Then when the manager is presented with new information on something like human performance, there isn't the freedom to just disagree with it, to judge it as non-valuable and move on. We need to create the perception that judgmental, know-it-all attitudes are not allowed here. This makes every component of culture change easier. All the components of successful culture change require growth. If we can shift toward holding people accountable for their growth, then everything else will be so much easier. You know, great accountability is crystal clear in the eyes of the people. You can ask someone, how are you held accountable for your performance? And they can respond with a clarity that both they and you understand. If you ask, how does the organization determine the effectiveness of a supervisor's leadership skills? Again, they can respond clearly in a way where both of you understand. Unfortunately, many people can't respond with this type of clarity. Sometimes they don't have a clear understanding themselves. Sometimes it was never clearly communicated to them what they are held accountable for. It is normal for people to think their annual bonus is based more on production goals than anything else. Even when the annual bonus is divvied up into different percentages that include safety performance and other metrics. As long as the check keeps rolling in year after year, what really matters is getting the job done. For this reason, we have to start with clear communication that personal growth is a requirement here. Growth is not optional. We are moving toward an intentional culture that not only embraces growth, we require it. However, we can't ignore the emotional component within any change effort. Remember, people associate change with loss. When we communicate that people will now be held accountable for personal growth, we need to focus on the benefits to them personally, not the organization. We need to focus on the hearts of the people. If we focus on the success of the people, the success of the organization will come with it. The organization is the people. So before you hold someone accountable for something, they need to clearly understand what it is they are responsible for. There are a lot of people in this world who don't understand the need for continual growth. So there are probably a lot of people in your company that don't see that need either. The first step before holding people accountable is explaining the need, why it is so important, and what exactly you want them to do, at the same time focusing on how it benefits them more than how it benefits you. You never graduate from personal growth. You never arrive to an imaginary finish line where you no longer need to increase your wisdom. If you're not growing, you're actually devolving. There are so many people that don't truly understand that concept. Some people think that when they obtain wisdom, it stays with them forever. They think that once they learn new wisdom tools, that those tools stay with them, sharpened, and ready for action. But life doesn't really work that way. Growth is in motion. 
Growth is not stagnant. Water is required for survival. Flowing water can sustain your life. Stagnant water can not only make you sick, it can kill you if left stagnant for too long. If we are not moving forward with our personal growth, we are actually moving backwards. If you purposely search out new wisdom, it can inspire you to grow. The irony is, the more you grow, the more you learn you need to grow some more. But then you can easily devolve into old behavioral patterns if you don't continually grow. If you don't grow, use that growth, feed it, and nurture it. Growth is in motion. Growth is never stagnant. I've witnessed this in my own life. There was a time of suffering that I experienced that motivated me to grow. I searched out new wisdom, and I grew. But then life became comfortable again. I devolved into old behavioral patterns because growth didn't seem to be as needed anymore. But now I know. We must grow when everything is going right in our lives, not just when we are faced with challenges. The purpose of our existence is to grow. We've been blessed with this life we get to live. We honor that blessing by growing our minds. We honor that blessing through increasing our wisdom. From there, we can help influence and grow others. Growth is our purpose in this life. Great accountability requires trust. No pre-formatted accountability program will work perfectly for every human in every organization. We must have some amount of trust for our leaders of other leaders to make good decisions, especially considering the performance of their people. Let's look at the opposite of that for a minute. I have a friend that works at a large retail store. She is a supervisor, and the accountability program she is required to use with her people has been rigidly laid out for her by corporate. She has a three-strike policy that must be applied in any scenario. Strike one, you get a write-up. Strike two, you get another write-up, and you are required to have a conversation about it. Strike three, you have the potential for termination. Some people high up the corporate ladder, people that have never even met the employees she is responsible for, have told her exactly how she is to discipline them and hold them accountable for their performance. But not only have they told her exactly how she will hold their people accountable, she has also been told to use the worst form of behavioral reinforcement, late uncertain, and negative. Unfortunately, this type of top-driven accountability program is normal in corporate America. It is normal for upper management to come up with a one-size-fits-all approach to accountability and demand that everyone in the organization follow it. Have you ever worked for an organization that had a similar three-strike policy? Isn't it ironic that the worst way to reinforce behavior is common practice? We must have trust for truly effective accountability, 
If we don't trust our supervisors and managers to make good decisions concerning the discipline and the accountability they implement with their team, then our problem is not a bad accountability program. Our problem is actually a lack of trust. We must equip our leaders with wisdom to be fair and consistent with their discipline. But we must also get out of their way so they can be effective when they need to use it. We also need to trust them. To hold people accountable for personal growth requires a regular review of where they are on that path. You may determine this review best fits your organization if done annually. You might have the resource to review monthly. The frequency is something you must decide for yourself, but consistent and frequent must be adhered to. It is important that you stick with it or can easily be perceived to be just another flavor of the month campaign. I'm going to cover some sample questions that can be used to gauge how well someone is performing in the area of personal growth. The purpose of these questions is not to get your people to answer them all correctly. The questions are just a guide, a compass, a pointer in the direction of holding people accountable for their own personal growth. You're free to modify, add, or delete based on your own unique experiences. These questions are designed to help you communicate the need for growth and to help you decide how your people are doing with their growth. From there, you can determine the appropriate form of accountability. Is punishment required for purposely not growing? Is a reward justified for the level of growth they are experiencing? These pointers are designed to help you gauge their growth. From there, you determine the appropriate accountability for it. So the questions we will discuss are broken down into three categories. Personal growth, processing failure, and developing others. Although you may want to add to these categories, these three must be included in any evaluation of leadership effectiveness. Having different questions to ask is intended to help you gauge the leader's strengths and weaknesses in these categories. It is not intended to be a check yes or no, fail or pass exam. The questions are a guide to be combined with the trust that the person doing the evaluation is well equipped with the wisdom behind the questions and the fairness to make a good decision about the responses they receive. So let's take a look at the questions under each category and discuss them further. Questions for personal growth. What are you doing for personal growth? What experiences have created wisdom in your life? What areas would you like to grow further in? What are you learning that has been most beneficial to your job performance? What are you learning that I should learn about? What type of knowledge inspires you? What are you willing to give up to make room for personal growth? So the first question, what are you doing for personal growth? First off, do they recognize the need for intentional and continual personal growth? Did they not get the communication that it was a requirement within the company? Maybe not. Maybe we need to reinforce that a little further. 
Maybe they interpreted it as some corporate vision that is just the new flavor of the month. Do they even see the need and what are they doing about it? If they respond with nothing, then now you know you have the opportunity to further reinforce how important growth is. You also have the responsibility to communicate how the lack of growth will affect them career-wise and financially. What experiences have created wisdom in your life? The question concerning experiences that have created wisdom in their life is designed to gain awareness to how they process the need for intentional personal growth. Have they experienced this before in their life? Have they suffered through something, experienced struggle, learned from it, and saw how growth benefited them? That is what we are trying to gauge here. Do they see how growth is necessary and beneficial to their life path? What areas do they want or see the need to grow further in? Are they aware of their strengths and weaknesses? Are they doing something about it? Are they learning things through their intentional growth that could benefit others within the organization? All three of these questions are pointing toward growth that benefits both the individual and the organization. We've discussed earlier how when we communicate change, we want to focus on the benefits to the person, not the organization. However, we don't want the organization to not experience any benefit at all. After all, the purpose is about changing the organization's culture. Learning about American history or playing a new musical instrument is growth, but not the type of growth that benefits the person in the organization. We might see this as an opportunity to help guide the individual toward the specific type of growth we are looking for, the specific type of growth we are holding them accountable for. We need to ensure our communication is clearly understood by our people as to what they are being measured on. You might give them options to help clarify communication techniques, leadership skills, human performance, how the brain works, motivating people, influences on behavior, coaching, any of those type of ideas. What type of knowledge inspires you? The inspirational question is designed to help identify their passion. Passion is good, but passion doesn't always equal strength. As John Maxwell says, it is so much easier to take a 7 to a 10 than a 3 to a 6. Both are moving only three points on a scale. But the strength-inspiration ratio is completely different. We need to know what people's strengths are and what inspires them. The two may not always be aligned. We may need to redirect them to focus more on growing in their strength areas. And we want to hold them accountable for growing in their strength areas. I can have a strong passion for singing, but still be a terrible singer. I can become a better singer. I can put a tremendous amount of work and effort to go from a level three singer to a level five. 
But the amount of work required to become a seven may be more than is feasible with the current strengths I have. On the other hand, if I am already a seven at public speaking, I can easily become a ten with a little effort. We must focus on growing strengths to create social proof. Focusing on weaknesses will wear you down. First, we need to find out what those strengths are. Then we find out what their inspirations are. As long as the two are aligned, then they should be encouraged and held accountable for. If they are not aligned, it is time to help them redirect. What are you willing to give up to make room for growth? That question is designed to help gauge their awareness of the sacrifice requirement that comes with growth. There's an irony with growth. You always have to give something up to make room for it. Growth always requires sacrifice. Our lives get busier and busier. To make room for personal growth requires giving something else up that is not serving you in your life. This question gives us an opportunity to see if the individual is aware of this truth and decide if further coaching is needed on the subject. If further coaching is required, you can have conversations on how they spend their time. How they spend their time in their car, maybe. Are they making the most of it? John Maxwell has often said that the car is his classroom. I totally relate to that. I have experienced so much personal growth in my truck. If your people are struggling to find time for growth, what do they do in their vehicles? How much time do they spend in their vehicles? Get them to document on an average week the amount of time they spend in their vehicle. Do they listen to music in the vehicle or the news? Could they listen to audiobooks or podcasts specifically targeted in the areas they need to intentionally grow in? How much free time do they have in their vehicle that could be used for the purpose of growth? The same could be said about airplanes. If your people travel on airplanes, how much time do they spend waiting? Waiting in the terminal, waiting for the plane to board, take off and travel. If your people spend a lot of time traveling on airplanes, then they spend a lot of time waiting. There is a lot of time that could be spent on growing. How much time do they spend looking at their phones? What are they looking at on there? Are they scrolling through social networking sites or news articles? Is that valuable time that could be spent on growth? You can read a physical book or you can read a book on your cell phone. Maybe they could look at something different on their phone that would have more benefit to them. If you put the effort in, you will always find that there is time for personal growth. It just comes with the fact that you have to give something else up in the process. So here's some questions for failure. How has failure shaped you? How has failure motivated you to become a better person? What is the greatest lesson that you ever learned from failure? What have you tried this past year that was unsuccessful 
And what did you learn from it? Where do you see our company or department going downhill? What are you doing about it? What could you do about it if anything were possible? How people process failure will tell you a lot about their leadership effectiveness. The great accomplishers of this world process failure in a totally different way than most people do. They see failure as a teacher, a friend, not as an enemy to be avoided. Leaders see failure as a series of expected steps on the stairway of success. How we learn to succeed is not only learning what works, of equal importance is learning what doesn't work. Leaders don't view failure as negative. They view failure as their friend. These questions are designed to give us insight into how the individual processes failure. We want to see if they view failure as integral to success. We want to see if they see and share their own view of where the company culture is failing. Since different levels of management have different lenses they see through, we hope to learn what other people see that we don't see. We also want to know if they are doing anything about what they see. Maybe they feel held back. We want them to know that we will support them when they see failures within the company. And we want to know their solution-based ideas. We don't just want people to become failure tolerant. We want the entire organization to become failure-proof. By this, I mean failure can never stop us. We don't just see it as a teacher. We are prepared for it when it happens. We plan for failure and expect it to come. We plan for things to go wrong and how we will recover when they do occur. So here are some questions for growing and developing others. Who in your life has poured into you without expecting anything from you? Who have you felt the urge to pour into? Who do you see as worthy of sharing your wisdom with in the organization? Who are your three top performers? What are you doing to develop them? What are you specifically doing to pour into them and grow them? Who do you see that will take the seeds you plant and water them? If I were to step outside myself for a minute, I would see that this world is so much bigger than my own personal needs. I'm just a cog on a wheel and something so much greater than my personal life experience. So much of my success in this world could be attributed to people in my past that believed in me and for some reason felt a need to pour into me. There are people that took the time to tell me things, to show me things. People that would try to teach me when I was stubborn and not the greatest listener. But looking back, those people were growing me. I didn't always appreciate it as much as I should have, but now I do. Now I see the value in what they were doing for me. Developing others can start there. Does the individual see where some of their success can be attributed to the time others took to pour into them, 
If they see that, if they know that to be true, it helps open the door for the need for them to continue that cycle. People pour into us. We learn from them. Then we have the responsibility to pour into others. We complete the cycle. What has been given to us is honored by giving it back to other people. We don't hold on to this. We share it. Some people don't see knowledge and wisdom that way. It is usually attributed to fear. People become afraid to share their deepest wisdom with others, typically out of fear that they will lose their job because of it. Sometimes, people think that if they share everything they know with their employees, then the company will get rid of them because they are no longer needed. If that type of thinking exists within the culture, it needs to be addressed. Number one, the company must see that people within the culture are a cycle. None of them will be there forever. It is imperative that the more experienced long-term personnel share their wisdom with the incoming newer generations. If this is not a continual process, then the company will not only struggle to grow, it will struggle just to keep up with the current state of success. Number two, the emotion of fear must be engaged if the people are feeling it. We must ensure that our people know that if they develop the people in their department to the point that we don't even need them anymore, then we will move them up the organizational ladder. If they can work themselves out of a job, then we will give them a new job with higher pay. That is the signal to the organization that they are ready to move up the ladder. The signal is when the department no longer needs them in it anymore. We must instill the belief in our people that one of the most valuable assets the company has are the teachers within the organization. If our people don't truly believe this, we have to address it. So true accountability for leadership effectiveness is not something that can easily be counted. But the answer to these questions can help us gauge where people are at on their own personal growth path. We can learn about their understanding of personal growth. We can learn about their view of failure. We can learn about their efforts to develop others. Those are the things that we need to be aware of, redirect, and coach as necessary. Like everything else here, the more we focus on what is inside of the person, the better the culture will become that is outside of the person. Focus on what is inside to change what is outside. Have a great day. If you learned something valuable today, please share it with others. For more information, head over to leaderthink.com.